Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Klickfeld. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I don't know if any of you caught the disturbing article this past week that reinforced something that we've been experiencing a lot, which is that the old truism that there are no mosquitoes in Los Angeles is no longer true. It used to be that that was like a Midwest and East Coast scourge because L.A. was a dry heat. And the L.A. heat has getting getting more humid. And I don't know about you, but I'm, being, I'm getting bitten up like an East Coast summer. There's an article about that in L.A. Times this week. And I read it, and, you know, sometimes you read something that you can't unread and you know something you can't unknow. And it described with tremendous detail how it is a mosquito actually makes you itch. So wait for it. As it comes onto your skin and it extends its proboscis into your skin in order to pull out your blood, it injects into your skin mosquito saliva. Mosquito saliva comes into your epidermis and that creates the infection, the minor infection, that is so itchy and uncomfortable. So all of us are walking around on some level with some amount of mosquito saliva that has become part of our body. And once it's part of our body, it doesn't just like go away when it stops itching, it's part of us. And it's one of many examples of things that we don't want to think about, which is that we are not self-contained beings. There are microbes and parasites that just because we can't see them, are no less a part of our physiology. Right? And the things that make up who we are are partly our genetic material and partly our environment, conceptually and literally. Just hold on to that rather disturbing image as I go into a commentary in one of the verses that we just read, that Ivy just read for us. Half of this commentary I dispute but there's a sweet part of the commentary, an important part, that I want to lay out for you. In the last part of the section that Avi read, we're talking about some of the laws of kashrut that don't have to do with which animals you eat, or even actually what combination you eat them in, or how you shecht them, but the part of the animal that can't be, eat, be eaten, which in this case is the blood. Jews are not supposed to consume blood. You know that if you know anything about the way shechting is done and kashering, right? That that whole notion of coarse kosher salt is to leach out all the blood from an animal because a Jew is not supposed to eat the blood. Blood is the life force. You do not consume the life force. Kind of an icky thing to think about, but in some cultures and societies, blood actually is consumed, right? The Torah says it several different times, but in one of the ways the Torah says it in Parshat Re'eh, it says, Lo tochalenu, don't eat that blood. Why? so that it'll be good for you and your children after you. What's the connection? Particularly, what's the connection for your children? It's one thing if the Torah says, don't eat the blood because it's not good for you. But why does the Torah say, don't eat the blood, so it will be good for you and your children after you? It's a 16th and 17th century commentator called Rabbi Jonathan Abishitz, who was kind of a one of the Dayanim, one of the heads of the communities in Prague at the time. And he reads it the following way. This is the part that I dispute, although I think there's something to it. 
He says, at least the governing science back then in 17th century Prague, is that if you consumed blood, it would make you cruel. If you consumed blood, your character would take on something about the act that you did. And by the way, in English idiomatic expression, we still have it. If you're bloodthirsty, right, it means that you're cruel and you're vicious. They believed it literally, right? Or at least Rabbi Jonathan Abishas did. If you consumed the blood, it would make you cruel. And cruelty, he says, is passed down from generation to generation. So if you eat blood, your children will be cruel. That was his math according to the Torah. If you consume something that will make you cruel, it will become a part of you. The blood will be a part of you. The cruelty that it puts inside of your system will be a part of you. And it's not only bad for your generation, it's bad for the generation after that because your children inherit from you not only, and they obviously didn't know these terms, genes and the instincts that are coming down through the family hierarchy but they inherit from you your character and your behavior. And what you consume impacts who they are. Because we are comprised of many different influences. Some obvious, some less obvious. Some intentional, some mosquito saliva that gets into our system and as a part of us, whether or not we want it. The message I hear from Rabbi Jonathan Abishitz from three, four hundred years ago, emerging from the Torah and thousands of years before that, is be careful what you eat and be careful what you consume, not only in the realm of your diet, but in the realm of ideas. Because if you're not consuming good stuff, your children and your children's children will be different and worse off because of what you will have brought into the family and what you have brought into your very body. Interestingly, and I forgot to keep this open as I began this Bar Torah, the Haftarah that Mark read gives a bit of a recipe for how to confront this. This section of Isaiah from the 55th chapter, one of many Isaiah Haftar wrote in between Tisha B'Av and, Yom, and Rosh Hashanah, says very clearly what you should eat and what you should drink. Hoi kol tzameh. Hey, anybody who's thirsty, thirsty for the good stuff. Lechu lamayim. Come to water. And water in the biblical image is Torah is the Word of God, is the beautiful material from our tradition. Even if you have no money, come procure and eat. Come and get what you deserve, even if you have any money. Wine and milk, representing the sweetest aspect of our tradition. Our tradition, which of course can also, on its edges, produce material that you probably also shouldn't consume, basically says, if you drink Torah, if you quench your thirst from the fountain 
of God's Word, then you're going to fill your body and your mind and your character with good stuff. And that will be good for you and your children and your children's children. We are starved for Torah right now. And if you spend even five minutes on the web, we are overwhelmed and forced to be gluttons of some of the most disgusting material out there, some of the most unworthy ideas, and some of the most vicious expressions of humanity that we've ever been exposed to. And my message to all of us on this Shabbat as we lead into Elul, leading to the Rosh Hashanah, is be careful what you read. Be careful what you consume. Be careful what you allow to be brought into your system because it impacts you whether you are intending for it to or not. And it stays from generation to generation. And as we're trying to craft a community of conscience and of goodness and of meaning and of devotion to God's Word, we have to make sure that most of the things that we consume drive us to that place and not away from it. Shabbat Shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.